All right, let's uh, let's get settled in here. All right, so good morning, everyone. That's my first one. Um, you know, I think we're I think we're just gonna jump into it. I don't have any announcements. Yeah. All right, Brad, we should be good on volume. Okay, good morning, everyone. For those of you who don't know, we are broadcasting live on Facebook, and uh, I also audio edit that so you can get it on your phones, whether it be Android or uh, Apple devices as well, um, just so that you can have something throughout the week and keep up with the teachings. And if you're not here, you can keep up. For example, it appears that the last few weeks, God has set me on the trail of basically, um, if I were to say, let's put it simply, uh, again, I'm just going to recap real quick. Lots of us, if we look in the rearview mirror of our lives, we've charged God with crimes he didn't commit. We've thrown him in prison, and it's completely destroyed our intimacy with him and, uh, and, and our understanding of him. But that's not, uh, that's not today's message. But we are going to kind of touch on something interesting today. Um, before we start, I want to say what I always say, and if I haven't said it enough lately, I say these things so you can say it to other people as well, which is this. I really think that in life you only got two deals on the table. Um, I'm right, right around 40 years old now. And as I look around, here's what I see. I see this life I live my way. Uh, whatever mom and dad gave me, the circumstances around me, the relationships I've chosen, and I've got that. That's my life. And do the best I can, hope it doesn't crash. But there's a second deal on the table that the Lord Jesus offers, and it's this. Your life leaned against me. Piece by piece, area by area, you lean it against me, and I promise I won't crash. And therefore, your life won't crash. And honestly, we're all beckoned toward that, to, to, to take one of those deals on the table. And one of the things that I talk about a lot up here is um, I don't think there's going to be a lot of fist bumping in heaven. I don't think there's going to be a lot of celebratory, hey, how'd you get here? <laughs> Obeyed all the rules. Stop watching R-rated movies. Didn't do this, this, whatever your axe to grind is. Cool, good for you. No, that's, this, that is not this church, and that is not the Bible. Here's what's going to happen in heaven. How'd you get here, dude? You? <laughs> I know, right? Well, Jesus cut me a sweet deal. I jacked up my life. I ended up where I didn't want to be, but Jesus said that he, I can trade my record for his record. Me too. And I know a lot of you weren't with me since day one at Stonegate Productions, but I used to wear a shirt before I put on a little weight uh, that says, uh, me too. It's a church out in Colorado. Their whole thing is me too. Jesus cut me a sweet deal, and I didn't deserve it, and, but I'm here, and it's me too. You get it? Well, having said that, I want to do this. Let's look, at, uh, let's look at Luke 9. Luke was a physician at the time of Christ, and all these things happened in Jerusalem. So while he wasn't there necessarily, he tells you in verse 1 why he's writing this book, Biography of Jesus. He says this, I'm writing this, Theophilus, as pal, to talk about what happened in Jerusalem just not long ago. So this is a second-hand account, unlike John or Matthew, which are first-hand accounts. This is a second-hand account. Luke was a doctor. Any of you are scientific-minded or medically-minded? Luke's your guy. Luke is fact. Bow, 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 bow. He's, he's very much that way cut and dry, as opposed to John, who's more poetic and more musical type of thing. Like, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm team John. And, but anyway, so, so Luke, upon interviewing the disciples and around him, said this. Jesus said this one day. Jesus is talking and says this. If anyone would come after me, that's deal number two, by the way. He must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Let's hang on right there. We're going to look at this really quickly. And this is not 
This is coaching. This is actually going to be encouragement and coaching. After each time Jesus commanded cross-bearing, he said this, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for me will save it, which I think we actually have the next one, don't we, Brian? And he says this, pick up your cross, but whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for me will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet lose his very soul or self, depending on your translation? <clears throat> so here's the thing. Uh, I need to put this simply today. In every area of our life, um, if we want to hold on to what we have, take a look at the sentence up here. We want to save his life, we'll lose it. Okay, if you want to hold on to what you have, the quality of your relationships, the health that you're trusting on, finances, whatever, if you want to cling to how good you can make it, you can. That's what he's talking about. Save that life that you've got now by all means. And Jesus is saying this, though. As you try to save that life you have, you will inevitably lose everything. Hey, that's gloom and doom. Okay, give me an example of someone who didn't, who gained it all and didn't lose anything. Don't, don't lie to me. I mean, you can look at the millionaires with three divorces behind them and kids who hate them. You can do that. You can look at the athletes who sacrificed everything and they're really bad dads. Anybody? Is anybody with me today? But Jesus is saying this. Or you can give up the life that you have and your limitations. You give that to me, I'll give you my version of it. But if you try to cling to what you'll have, you'll lose it all. You try to save what you've got now, you're going to lose it. But if you lose your life for me, if you give that life to me, you'll save it all. I'll save it all. Cool, right? So you might read this initially and it might be condemning. Pick up your cross and follow me. And if you want blah, 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 blah. But here's the thing. Jesus, take my limitations. Because I'm not the dad I want to be. I'm not the husband I want to be. And to be fair, and I'm not beating anybody else up, but like I said initially, we're all products of what, what happened upstream, right? What mom and dad did and the culture and how to do all this. And Jesus is saying this. Steph often prays. And by the way, don't ever underestimate the power of Steph and Brenda up here praying. Don't ever do that. That is not a break in the show. That is actually, Jesus says, that's actually more important than what we're doing right now. And the fun sing-alongs. My house is to be a house of prayer. So if ever you get a little fidgety, take control of your body and deal with it. You, you get it? Get some Kool-Aid, tap your shoes, whatever it may be. <laughs> but I just sense that as a church. Sometimes we think, let's get to the entertaining part. It's like, hmm. Prayer is the most important part. I will, anyway, I forget what I was talking about now, but let's keep going. Now, here's the thing. Jesus is saying this. Give that. Oh, no. What, that was what I was going to say. Steph often prays this. Father, may our, our ceilings be our children's floors. Do you get that? May my ceiling, my potential for my marriage, my finance, whatever it may be, Lord, we want to exchange that life so that they start where we, where we got to and they go beyond. And can I tell you something? That does not happen naturally. If you're on your own, the kid's going to pick up right where you started for the most part. Get it? Or somewhere along those lines. Anyway, keep going. I'm not even in my message yet. Okay. One thing I want to talk about about this real quick, really quickly, is this. If you think that most people follow God, you are strongly deceived. Jesus says this, narrow is the way that leads to life and very few find it. Guys, how many people do you really know that are leaning their lives against Jesus and his teachings? Really? Honestly, really? Like number one priority. Right, guys. So as you're sitting here, here's the thing. Everybody thinks it's status quo. No. Doing what he said about picking up your cross every day and following him is one of the most unique and individual things you can do as a person. Do you understand that? I'm not talking about going to church. I'm talking about your day-to-day -day life, right? 
There's the setup, because I'm going to teach you how to do it right now. Okay? I'm going to teach you how to do it. Give some ideas. What good, is, what good is it for man to gain the world, yet lose or forfeit his very self? And like I said before, if you've ever pursued something like a career too hard and left behind the things that actually give you meaning, you know exactly what he's talking about. It's the truth. So here we are. We've chosen to lean our, lean our lives against Christ. He is who he says he is. And um, I want to ask you this. I mean, if you were to ask me, well, Lord Jesus, how do I do this? How do I pick up my cross? How do I cooperate with him? I want to teach a lot today. And some of you may have heard this, and I don't care. Listen. If you want to understand the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all you have to do is look at yourself. You are mind, body, and spirit, correct? Steph has a mind. It's a collection of who she is. She has a body, and she has an internal, eternal spirit inside of her. Well, which one's Steph? All of them. What are you talking about? Right? So which one's God? Jesus, Holy Spirit, or Father God? All of them. But I see Jesus doing certain things, and I see Father doing certain Right. Well, sometimes Steph's body's in charge, like when it asks for food. And sometimes her mind's in charge when she's learning something. And sometimes her spirit's in charge when she listens and moves in the spirit. Y'all understand? Don't act like that's a small deal, by the way. That is awesome information that God gave us like last year, right? Was it last year we first heard that? Woo-hoo-hoo! Because people wonder, like, how can, is Jesus God, blah, 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 blah. Well, Holy Spirit inside of you, the spirit, this is what we're talking about, about these... Um, Holy Spirit will speak inside of you. Now, now again, I'm going to give you something for everybody today. Just Gatling gun. Take it home, and then we'll, we'll, we'll have fun. Why would Holy Spirit's voice inside of you sound any different than your voice? Because he's using that operation. You get it? That's the mechanism he's using. Some of us expected, what, a British dude? <laughs> I'm just being funny. Stop it. Y'all are stiff today. Uh, you know, but, like, you hear the voice, and you're like, could that have been God? What did you expect? Or Morgan Freeman's voice or something? I think you should turn right. <laughs> Not bad. Come on. I've never done it before. Or or like Optimus Prime, right? Go here. Yes. No, that was good. She, because of Transformers, actually got it. Thank you. I'm working on that a lot. No, it's your voice, dude. It's your voice with a thought that is not your thought. It's Holy Spirit inside of you. And let me set you free. Okay? Robin's Holy Spirit sounds like Robin. Because that's the, that's the operation that Holy Spirit's using. But it'll be a thought that if the more and more and more you learn to, to submit and surrender and do that, the louder that voice will become, and you'll start to recognize that voice different from your own. But don't think you're weird, and don't think you're hearing things. Holy Spirit's a person. Holy Spirit is, is going to talk to us. Now, I am going to teach us this whole, that was all prelude. I'm going to talk, to, talk about day-to-day, -day, uh, uh, picking up a cross thing, but I'm going to give you something really cool and really counselly, okay? I've got two slides on a parable that is really weird. In Luke as well. Jesus told his disciples a parable. Time out. A parable is a fictional story. If you see a name in a story that Jesus gives, it is not a parable. Like when he says, Lazarus and a rich man. Real story. But if he gives fictitious people, parables are to teach you one thing usually. One thing. That's it. Fictitious. So, Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. So it tells you right there kind of why. But anyway, he said... In a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I'll see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? 
I tell you, he'll see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Now, that's confusing, in my opinion. Much like, was it last week where I said I read one and I didn't understand it or something? It's stuck in my craw. Yeah, when Jesus says, why do you call me good? When you read something in the Bible, number one, pray before you walk into it. It's not Huck Finn, okay? This is the wisdom that God wants to give each of his children. It'd be like me writing down my memoirs and giving it to Alex and Izzy. Hey, Alex, listen. You know, if you're, good, if you're looking for deer tracks, watch the, the bucks will scrape as they're walking, bub, right? Look at the things on the tree. I'm giving him my wisdom, right? How much more creator God is giving us. Now, as we read this and don't understand it, here's what you do. You dig into it. Because I got something for you today that's pretty dope. It's, oh, sorry, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> I shouldn't talk that way. Plus, most of my slang is probably outdated now, let's be honest. But anyway, um, I'm going to quote some ministry. It doesn't matter, but I agree with this person's thoughts. And they say this, The unjust judge does not represent anything beyond himself. He's not a symbol for God, the devil, or anything else. He's just a character Jesus invents to develop a comparison that stresses the Lord's willingness to hear and respond to the prayers of his people. Number one, everyone here has been wronged. And there's a scripture in the Bible that says what? Is it leave room for God's wrath? Is that what he says? In other words, if you... Okay, whatever. It says something like, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. If you've been wronged by people, I want you to look at it this way. And Uncle AJ is going to teach you something kind of selfish today. If you exact revenge for yourself, revenge has been, been, been given. Okay? You've doled out justice. It's done. God steps back. But if you don't, do you know what? There's still a debt required. And wouldn't you rather God deal with somebody than you? Do you see what I mean? It's, it's a morbid thought. And I, I, I sound like I'm being cruel, but in other words, if I take it out on you, whack. <laughs> right? That is not how I hit. I'm just being. But what if I didn't? Then there's, then there's injustice somewhere and God's got to deal with it. And the darker part of me is like, mm -hmm, I like that. Can we be honest for a second? And he's the just judge. But like I say, if I dole out my little, got you back, there's my piece of blood for what you did to me. Justice has been served. Goes off God's. And I gotta be honest with you, there's really bad stuff in this planet. That's, take, that's gone down, where your job is to forgive and move forward, but leave room for the wrath and justice of God. Do you understand that? Okay, some of you are with me for that. Maybe you've not been slighted. Maybe you've not been slighted enough to really want justice or to sit back and go, oh yeah, I'm glad. I watched a documentary one day about the shooting of JFK, and it was the first time I praised God for being a just judge. There was no justice for that, was there? We don't even know who truly did that, do we? Well, I have thoughts. It doesn't matter. Because here's what's cool. Nobody's getting away with anything when it comes to God. And whoever did that to him and took his life like that, there's a payment. You get it? We can rejoice in that. Jesus is gentle, loving, but he's also thunder on the mountain, right? But anyway, okay, okay, okay. So anyway, this, let me just get to my point. God never gets tired of hearing our pleas for justice. No, it's not about be persistent. And here's the thing. Okay, okay, I'll get into it. Jesus also says elsewhere, he says, don't be like the pa pagans. When they're, when they're praying, they babble, 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 and they think they'll be heard for their many words. So is he telling you to bug God with your complaints because that'll get what you want? No, but if you look at it quickly, it kind of sounds that way. Well, is God like that judge who if you bug him enough, he'll answer your prayer? And it's like, no, that's not what he's saying at all. So what is he saying? All right, here comes the teaching point. Perk back up, kids. It's halftime, okay? As we're commanded to piece by piece, area by area surrender, I'm, I'm going to introduce to you two postures God spoke to me today, or this week, literally, and he paired this parable with it, okay? There is passive openness, and there's active openness to God. Those are the things you should be writing down. This is new information. Passive openness before God, bros, is 
Uh, yeah, I'm open to what you want me to do. Um, just get a hold of me when you need me. You know where I'm at. There's nothing wrong with that. I am not favoring one or the other. I'm teaching you, okay? Pick up your cross and walk before me. A lot of us live in a place of passive openness before God. Hey, you want to get a hold of me? Cool. If you, if you want to touch on this and, and, and you speak, and uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll address that issue in my life. Cool. But what this parable is showing me, and what we got this week was this. There's also a posture called active openness before God. Active openness is this, where we realize God's touching on an area of our lives or wanting to touch on an area of our lives and we pick it up or we pick up our cross and we hold it before God day and night. See the difference? Get a hold of me, God. I'm listening. No, I'm listening. There's nothing wrong with that. And that's a good season of our lives. But there are times when you know God's touching on something because you went to him and the form of this picking up your cross thing is this, this area right here, Father God. What are you, what are you, what are you doing in this area? And you don't throw it at him. Do something, God. Do something. You don't do that. You hold it before him and say, well, anybody remember Lifehouse? I'm standing here until you make me move. Hanging by a moment here with you. Thank you. Another 90s child over there. I like how, I like how <laughs> Julie's standing there like this, even though we used to listen to it together in the car. <laughs> what are you talking about? I'm standing here until you make me move. I'm, I'm going to hang by a moment here with you. And doesn't that sound a lot like faith? You don't pick what you hold up before God. And this is where self-help goes out the window and y'all are going to stop liking me. You don't just go, um, this one. Real walking by, th all right, I'll stop with the camp gestures. <laughs> well, my real mannerisms are not very welcoming, so. <laughs> anyway, you don't, active, active openness before God is not, I don't like this about me. Here, God, active openness to God, this is real faith, is, what are you doing in my life? What, like, really, if I know there's something you're calling me to change, you're asking me to pick up and carry, oh, it's that area. Okay, all right. Well, guess what I'm going to do? I'm not going to tell you how to fix me. I'm not going to run around and go crazy. I'm going to stand here like this, and I'm going to wait for you. Not popular because it literally requires, wait for it, faith and actual guidance from God. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but earlier in my walk, I would pick up that one. And the reason I picked up this one is because people around me made me feel like crap that I was doing it. Here's what I'm saying. I was addicted to tobacco for most of my life. And I was like, Lord, here, can you take my smoking? Because this guy, Frank Green, said, by the way, I'm honest. If you want to say some stuff or whatever, I'm, I'm going to name names. <laughs> There's no more secrets in this church. Frank Green, years ago, I tried to quit smoking in my best effort. I'm walking out of Sugar Creek where I just bought a pack of smokes. Remember Sugar Creek? Renee Bagels, y'all. And um, he, I'm walking out and I got a pack of cigarettes and he's like, I said, hey. And I, he was one of the only Christians I knew at the time. And I said something about self-control and smoking. And he's like, I don't see how you could become, be a Christian and smoke. And he walked away and I was like, thanks for that condemnation that you just put on me. Cool. Uh, it's been part of my journey, honestly. But I was like, okay, Lord, you're right. He says, I'm awful. Take this. <clears throat> Why aren't you taking this? Now, here's what happens. When you pick what you think God's doing because you want to do it, guess what will happen? You'll get angry and disappointed at God. What if I throw it up? Will you catch it? And God's going, hey, AJ, lack of forgiveness. This one. Hold that up. But uh, I feel like a turd when I go out in the church parking lot. I have to have a cigarette. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't care about that necessarily right now. Because really? You ready? We want to know my real story in that moment? Your dad's going to die in a year. You better deal with the forgiveness. 
That was the real story. Yep. We listen to what God is touching on in our lives. We hold it before him. We don't freak out. We don't do a saw where all of a sudden, oh, the enemy was coming, so I lit the sacrifice. You stand there until he makes you move. And he lovingly will tell you how to deal with that next thing. Do you understand? Not popular. Really hard to do because it requires trust and it requires faith. And it has nothing to do with religion whatsoever. Because here's the thing. You're not holding it before God going, love me more if I do this. I'll be better if I do this. No, that's people in your life. No. This is just simply, Jesus says this, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come to give you life and your life to the fullest. And what I mean is this. I see Julie's life. I gave her life. Mom, dad, kids. I know where her best life lies. I can get her there with me, shoulder to shoulder. I know where your individually your best life is. And it's going to require step by step. There are certain things you're carrying right now that the person, okay, okay, okay. Years ago, someone spoke over me and said, AJ, God is preparing you for that which he's prepared for you. Do you follow that? In other words, AJ, get that jealousy, insecurity, weakness, whatever it may be. These things got to go for where you're going to go. Because that guy can't hold this marriage together. You get it? That guy's not going to be the dad you want to be. So piece by piece, you got to listen to me and hold these things up. Pick up your cross daily, hold them before me. And one-to-one, -one, we will change these things inside of you. We will build a history of relationship between us where when you're singing about God and I will worship only you, it's not everybody else's God around anymore. It's me and you. AJ, remember the time, right? And you build this almost like a, a photo album of this is when God and I this. This is when God and I that. And I remember when I was the lowest I could possibly be and I had no hope when all of a sudden hope showed up. Page one, AJ and God's journey. Boom. And every day becomes another page. You get it? And that's where it's just you and me here now. This is not an AJ's awesome thing. It's not at all. I will always give 100% right here. And you know what? I used to at Stonegate when there was two of you in church. Because I'm not singing to you. I'm doing the same thing I do in the woods. Because I remember when grandma died and I went back in the woods and I hit my knees and I just said, oh, this hurts so much. And I remember burying Aunt Betty and having to be her pastor and her, this person who loved her so much. And I remember every time he held me together, and that's what propels me on to, to worshiping him. And when things don't work out, whatever, whatever. But that's why I hold more of these things up to him. And that's real faith. So be passively open. Absolutely. God, get a hold of me if there's something you want to change. But listen to me. Every moment of every life of every believer, God is doing something in your life. If I said, I hate to keep picking on Julie, but we've been friends longer than we've not been friends. Julie, what's God doing in your life? You know what? Realistically, she's supposed to have an answer. She should. And I'm not saying condemning wise, because God is actually doing something in your life. And if you don't know, go find out. Don't ask me. Go find out. And that's the thing you're actively holding up. Do you understand? No? No? Yeah? Okay. This is coaching, guys. Ain't nobody coming at you. This is truly following him. It's not religion. It's not a formula. And you know what? Your walk with God is not going to look exactly like anyone else's. Oh, I've been struggling with that lately. Can I just... <laughs> i got to tone down how honest I am, honestly. But I'm going to tell you something. Now, this is not me church bashing. I don't do that. But I want to be careful that none of you think you need to look like me to follow him. 
And I, there's a certain movement right now in the American church where <laughs> I'm really turned off by it. I, I don't want to go to a church where I feel like I got to wear skinny jeans and like metrosexual stuff. I don't want to do that. I think skinny jeans and men, like you do you people, but. <sighs> See how it actually bothers me? But I also don't want anybody to think that following God is steel toes and flannels and a license to carry a gun. <laughs> You know what I'm saying, though? I'm like, I don't want to create a counterculture that's just the same thing. You know what I mean? Like, oh, you got to be real masculine, folks. Grow a beard in October and shave it in May. Like, you know what I mean? I don't want that. And I don't want you all listening to, like, Lisa Turkhurst or anybody else. Oh, i got to be that woman to follow God. That's garbage. You're, yes, your walk with God is going to look individual. Stay-at-home mom? Cool. Working mom? Cool. Whatever. Do you wear frumpy clothes, nice clothes? I don't know, man. You be you. And you worry about what God's dealing with you about day to day to day. And that will religion-proof your life. Because let me tell you something, y'all. Other people are going to have ideas about what you should be changing right now. Isn't that the truth? Oh, man. And most of them usually sit in church. And they'll tell you right now the next thing that comes. You know what comes next, don't you? You need to stop. You should start. What? Why? So I can be you? Okay, I gotta walk a fine line here because there are times in, in the kingdom where God will use someone to say to you, whoa, dude, you keep doing that. You're gonna blow up your life. You get it? That addiction's out of control, whatever it may be. But let me give you another thing. 100% of the time that God has ever spoken through someone else to me, there's been one thing present always. You wanna know what it is? So you can tell? It's always come through someone who loves me and who wants what's best for me more than they want my behavior to change. You get that? There's your filter, brother. I've had people in the last couple months tell me, well, I just don't think this and this and this and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, hold on. You don't actually care about me. You care about my behavior. Ain't nobody got time for that. God will always tap someone who actually loves you and you can trust and who's got your back to encourage the change. Isn't that good, man? Listen, I only have it because of the scars on my body because I danced like a puppet to everybody around me who said, don't use those words. Christians don't talk like that. That's up to you. I mean, don't dress like this. Don't, whatever it may be. And all of a sudden, I hold it up to God and he's like, man, are we not working on this other thing over here? We are working on this other thing over here. And while you're distracted trying to please them, you're missing out on the fact that I'm leading you to your best life. You know what I mean? Look, guys, cut the crap for a second. Either God's real or he's not. Either Jesus is real or we're all just stupid, deceived, and wasting our times. I could be home clearing trails right now. But if it's actually true, if Jesus, this guy named Yeshua, by the way, I told you my, um, I went to Blacksburg State University and this really crazy history professor, he loved to tell us he went to Oxford, I don't know what he was doing in the SUNY school, but he made us write like a 25-page paper at the end. I wasn't even my major. And I wrote, Yeshua of Nazareth was the greatest leader of all time. And he goes, okay. Now, well, you're a staunch atheist who preaches against religion every class. He goes, well, we know Yeshua lived. We have records. Remember when they went to a census, Mary and Joseph did in the Bible? We have, it's not whether or not Jesus lived. Yeshua of Nazareth is real. Okay, but was he the son of God? And if he is, is this not the way we should relate to him, right? And is he not able to, number one, if you're in passive openness, he's able to get a hold of you. But number two, if you're in active openness, is he going to leave you there forever with no fruit? No. 
right? He's doing it for our own good. I've never told my kids to change their behavior or heart or thinking except for their own good. Okay, I'll tell you a story. So bedtimes around my house, I'm sure like the bedtimes around everybody else's house. You ever seen that meme where Woody's like this and the shark's going like this as they're trying to go to bed? Have you seen that? And it's so my wife too, because Izzy gets ramped up. I get ramped up around dinner for, or uh, bedtime for some time. So there's always wrestling and we get yelled at by mom. You should, you should go, Izzy. Mama's getting mad. <laughs> like there's fighting. Well, the other day there was two traditional fighting and hey, Alex has bed guys. There's Grover, uh, Big Bird. Uh, there's seven of them. So one of them is Peter Rabbit. Izzy grabs Peter Rabbit. And he's like, and Alex wasn't really upset. He's like, no, don't grab Peter Rabbit. And he went like this and he poked her in the eye. And she's like, she's, she's tough. If you put the two of them together, she's the tougher one. So she's trying to be like, we're good. I can keep playing. We're good. But then it overcame her. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, <laughs> he felt terrible. He's a great big brother. And he's like, <laughs> I'm like, cool. Okay, okay. Izzy, all right. And then mama came in and got Izzy. And she, by the time she was out, out, the, out the door, she was good. He was just a mess. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, what are, you, what are you doing, man? Number one, it's getting really late. The shark thing, right? It's getting really late. And he's like, I just feel so bad that I hurt her. He's six and she's three. And I'm like, okay, bub. I know, he felt bad. But also, you know what? He was starting to own it way too long. So loving father was like, okay, okay, teachable moment here. I said, bub, listen, that's cool. And you're, you're, God made you really sensitive and that's awesome. Every personality trait your kids have, your wife has or whoever, has a positive and a negative. If they're bossy, it also means they're decisive and a leader. They don't make enough decisions. They're a good team player. Anyway, so I said, I said to my son, I said, hey, listen, loving father correcting. This is the whole point of the story. I haven't forgotten. And I said, uh, listen, bud, um, you've been really doing this a lot lately. What's that? I'm like, well, listen, everybody makes mistakes, right? Nobody's perfect, right? Yeah. I said, well, there's different postures you can have, bub. There's people who, when you do something wrong, you go, meh, not my fault, deflect, eh, situations, make excuses. That's most of the world. Number two, do nothing. Hmm? <laughs> what? What? Just do nothing. And number three, own it way too long and hate yourself for it. And buddy, what do you, which one are you doing right now? And he's like, yeah, I'm... I said, Izzy's reading a book with mama. Listen, she's good. She's done crying. You're still beating yourself up for the thing you did previously. We got to work on that, man. Because who's suffering now? And as a six-year-old boy, he actually kind of got it. And I said, I lied to you, by the way. There's a fourth posture, which is this. Lord, I'm sorry. Would you forgive me for that? Oh, you say you do? Okay. Help me to forgive myself. Hmm. See? Loving father. Corrected. Not because I, I didn't want to hear him cry anymore. I was annoyed. But because to get where he wants to be in this life, there's that thing that, you know what? You're going to need to adjust them, buddy. And your heavenly father, there's something he wants to be, be communicating with you. Not to beat you up. That was your church and your, your, your no. To, to, to get you ready for what he wants to give you in this life. It's about real relationship. So let's get ready to close it down. I notice I haven't looked at this thing all day. I probably got about half the message through, but um, it doesn't matter. Um, yeah. Let me go back to that real quick. God's going to trust, God's going to trust the message he has for you to people he can trust with you. In other words, yeah, that person, the coworker who doesn't like you and just wants you to change and call you a bad Christian, that's not who God's going to give the message to and trust to give you the message. Do you understand? He's going to give it to someone who loves you or who you can trust. I mean, if you came up to me and lots of folks and then they share their stories, God may say that, but I do. I care about, I care about you, you know, and I, and he's giving me this job, but anyway, so let's, let's do this real quick and uh, let's go home.
Yes. Let's do this. You want to know why this is important? We've talked about changing. We've talked about picking up your cross. Here's why this is important. Don't miss this. Because one touch of God can change everything in your life in a moment. Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. Because we do this because the things you hold up, we serve a mighty God who is madly in love with you and wants what's best for you. That's why this is important. So you can be in a posture where things can change for you. You get it? One touch of God changes everything in a moment. And this is something we, ne- we as believers, listen, I don't care if you've been a believer for a week or 30 years, never lose the fact that we're not everybody else. We've got the power that raised Christ from the dead inside of us. We are the center of all Father's eye, and he wants what's best for us, and he's going to intervene in our lives. Do you understand that? You're not all your coworkers. You're not your colleagues. You're not. Stop it. We are the chosen ones who've responded to the call. Do you get it? That's dangerous thinking. No, dude, I'm not going to walk around like some weak victim anymore. I know who my father is. You remember the song we sing, Unstoppable God? It goes what? Heaven thundered and the world was born. And life begins and ends in the dust you form. If that's the truth, I'm not going to hang my head one day in my life. Because I know that the things I hold up, God can change everything in a moment. I've seen people be physically healed in front of me. I've seen marriages that were, (laughs) that are still here to this day and better than ever before. I've seen victims of things I would never tell you that I don't even like hearing. And I've seen them healed, whole, forgiven, and healed of what happened to them. When God shows up, things change. What a difference a day day makes is a song that uh, Pastor Dave was talking to me about. What a difference a day makes in the life of a believer. If that tomb was really empty, and by the way, it doesn't need to be Resurrection Sunday to talk about Resurrection Sunday. If that tomb was empty, and it was, the dead areas of your life that you've given up on, there's no hope, Lord. There's none. It's not true. Because when that tomb was empty, that means anything that's dead can be raised again. Do you understand? Thank you. There's one. Can we get a couple more for that? Amen. That means, amen means this. I agree with that. I'm lining myself up with that because I've got a broken relationship. Because I've got something in my body that needs healing. Whatever it may be, you guys. Any moment God shows up, death becomes life, and the sun comes out, you guys. All right. Let's shut it down, guys. Take this with you. Always be in passive openness before God with multiple hearts. Always do that. God, if you want to touch on any area of my life, I'm going to listen. That's a victory, by the way. Don't let me knock that. But just be aware of there's something that you should be in, in, in active openness. I've got, one, I've got some right now. AJ, what's God doing in your life? I can tell you. And he hasn't moved in this area yet. But I'm going to stand here until he does because this is what he's telling me to do. Right? Cool. All right, let's worship. We're going to... Re- oh, one thing. One last thing. I always forget this. Sometimes you hear a message like this and you're like, that touched something inside of me, whatever. And you don't want to just get up and go, okay? Don't do that if you feel stirring. Bruce and Brenda are always willing to just pray with you. You don't need to share details or anything like that. But Brenda's kind of like the mom of the group. Don't act like she's not. Everybody, when she got up here and was, was wounded last week, we're all like wounded with her. You're loved. You're so loved. You're like the mom of the group. Guys, if you, if you want prayer for this, or what, you don't even need to tell them. Just get prayer, okay? That's one of the things we're here for. We pray for each other. We intercede for each other, okay? And if you ever have any questions for me, then uh, that's cool too. So let's, uh, let's get up and worship. We're going to sing a song called I Will Walk by Faith. Walk by Faith is this. Lord, when you're touching on something in my life, I will hold it before you. 
And then there's a spot in here which just sings hallelujah. It's the right response to, to praise.
your disciple Peter, who's probably as up and down as I am in my life, turned to you and said, where else can we go, Lord? You alone have the words of life. There was another time when the whole world was divided about who you are, which, interestingly enough, has never changed since that day. We're still divided over who you are. And, and you turn to Peter and you say, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? question, of course, is the most important question a human being could ever answer. And he turned and he said, you are the Son of God. You are the long-awaited one of Israel. You are the Holy One of Israel. You are the Messiah. Today, Father God, we, re we receive that. We receive you. And Lord, we want to be open before you. The loving Heavenly Father who did everything needed to be done to rescue us from our condition want to walk by faith, Father God, even when we can't see. We want to have the courage and the ability and the desire to hold things up that you're doing in our lives. And it's funny because every person in this room would probably have a different answer as to what you're working on right now in our lives. But help us to hold these things up, Father God, proving that you are faithful, you are loving and kind, and that you have our best intentions in mind. Love you, Father God, this week may you draw nearer to us. Well, may we feel you in your presence nearer than ever before. We pray for the relationships that are broken, Lord God. You alone, Father God, one touch of God, you can heal anything. We pray for that, Lord. We pray for our families, we pray for our children, our grandchildren, Father God, those we love.